Sports Editor is very grateful to have Odo Nugani with us, another rugby legend, shout about this beautiful game and what's been happening in the rugby world and very interesting times in South Africa and what a series we have on the go and a lot more good rugby to come in the future. So it's, it's great. Odo, thank you so much for your time. Um, but I just want to ask you first question. Have you been enjoying all the, the mind games that have been going on in the, the rugby world recently? Well, uh, how's it, Ryan? Thanks so much for inviting me to the sports editor. And it's been quite interesting uh, to watch because I think it's something that you'd normally see from other sports like soccer and, 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 and most other sports, but it's not something that's been huge uh, in, in rugby. So it has been quite interesting. And uh, when, when I think Warren Gatlin first came out uh, questioning the decision by World Rugby, it was a bit of a surprising thing because, you know, officiating has gone to a level where it doesn't really matter where the guy comes from because he still needs to perform. And after every game, uh, he sits in front of his boss and they review his game. So it's always in his best interest to put a good performance because everyone wants to be involved in a test match. And then Rasi obviously came out and responded. And the funny thing is, though, I must say, is how everything else seems to roll on from the comments that are made in the week building up to the test match, mm. where, where you see some of the calls perhaps would have normally gone the other way. They end up favoring the, the team that had had a lot to say in that week. So it's possibly a tactic that has worked. But I see now uh, there was a statement coming out that there's a, the World Rugby has put a probe into it. So it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of that investigation. Yeah, but, but knowing Rassi, um, and you probably know him better than what I do, but I think he's quite a clever chap in the sense that he won't say something unless he's really thought about it. And I think he... Well, let me ask you this question. Do you think he's got a good defense when, if they say no, but look, look what the ref did. Look what the, yeah. we asked, we spoke about this. Do you think he yeah. has got a bit of a defense or do you think he could actually be in a bit of trouble here? What do you think? Well, one thing I know is that uh, he is very calculating and he won't take a decision unless he knows that he's got a big chance or he's got a solid case behind it. And I think since he's taken over the Springboks in 2018, he's made certain decisions which most people would never take, would question. And I think the one thing about Rati is very brave and he believes in himself and he believes in what in doing the right thing. So in this time around, I'm sure they would have gone through that game for many hours and they would have seen the injustice that they felt mm -hmm. was dealt to their team. And he felt it is right for him to stand up because obviously uh, he is the head of SA Rugby and the Springboks are the main team in SA Rugby. So he, he felt he needed to stand up for, for what he felt the team got ill-treated and uh, he gave out his consent and he gave out things that he felt the, the, they were dealt unfairly with. So I'm pretty sure that he knows, he knows the rules, he knows the law, he knows what's right. 
and uh, he would have consulted with his legal team before before saying anything and before putting the video out. And uh, we'll wait to hear what the outcome is, but I doubt he wouldn't have uh, picked the heads of, of his legal team and, and understand what's at stake. But at the end of the day, if we look at the game, the second test, then you can't say it never worked out. It possibly worked out better for the Springboks, where there were a few calls where really you thought perhaps uh, they were a bit lucky. Similar to last week or the first test where there were calls where you felt perhaps if the Lions camp hadn't spoken out, the calls that they got wouldn't have gone their way. So it just proves again that the referees are also human mm. and they feel the pressure from the media, everyone else, the, the, the game. And it is a big series. It's one that happens every 12 years uh, against the world champions. So there's a lot of attention on this series. So the pressure is on the referees and they are human and they do make mistakes. But you just hope that at the end of the day, when we look back past on Sunday the, or even going forward, it won't be a game decided by a match official, but rather the brilliance of the players on both sides. Yeah, like like what you said there, that that would be uh, brilliant rugby instead of this yeah. fighting to see each other get underneath each other's skin to try and ruffle them up. Yeah. Let's just play rugby. It's important. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, definitely. Yeah, but do you feel like maybe as a country we've always been a bit maybe too accepting? Like if it's a fifty-fifty call, it goes against us. And you know what? As South Africans, we're good people. We let it go. We move on. So this was almost put a like a stamp in the ground, saying, okay. Now try to take us on. <laughs> it's almost, it's almost maybe made us a bit more competitive. Um, do, do you think it's it's made the players feel a bit more confident in the sense that okay, actually you know what, we know our rules, we play hard, and now we're going to play even harder. Do you think that's going to motivate the guys even a bit more? I, I don't think we've we we've uh, been a, a nation that accepts uh, things that don't go away. I, I, I believe that a lot of the players and the captains that have been before, even the current players, they understand the rules. Mm. And I know that they normally would have sessions where they bring in the referees to come explain any law changes or anything that the referees will be looking out for. So in that, a player can have the confidence to speak to his captain and say, this is not right. And the captain does have that op opportunity to challenge a referee. So I definitely know that we have a nation and we have a team that loves the physical confrontation because it just brings out the best in us. And uh, funny enough, I read a, a clip somewhere from the All Blacks coach saying how he fell asleep watching the Lions in the box game. And the funny thing is, you know, that's, that's what we are good at. We are good at being dominant. You know, uh, Rasi has brought on uh, the, the pressure game to the Springboks where, where they like to suffocate opposition. Mm. And I think in the second test, we did that perfectly, especially in the second half, mm. uh, where we just kept them 
deep in their half where they couldn't get out. And we just piled on the pressure. And once you pile on the pressure, the malls start working, the scrums start working. And our game is based a lot around set-piece dominance. And when we have that, I don't think there's a team in the world that can sustain the pressure that the Springboks have. And then you have a, a 10 that kicks over everything and converts it. So it's a balance that has worked and brought us the World Cup. And I don't see us changing going into this game. And we can tweak it there and there going to the championship and uh, end of the year tour. So uh, to answer your question, the guys will always bring the physicality. They'll always have it. And we just hope that our best players are always there. Uh, your Elizabeth, your Peter Steph, Dwayne is coming back now. That's, those are the guys that lead that whole physical confrontation. You would want them in, on the field uh, and as fit and healthy as possible. Yeah, definitely. But it just seems like Springbok dominance is going to be there for a while. You know, for a while now, based on the squad that some of the guys that you mentioned, the coaching, our defense structures, it seems like we said to we to continue for to dominate for a few more years, don't you think? I hope I'm not getting too far ahead of myself <laughs> here, but it just seems like we're in a really good space at the moment with the type of rugby we play. I mean, yeah, I I we, I, I I I agree with that line. Mm. Um, if you look at the quality we have. However, I will say there are a few positions where I think we need to start growing our, our depth. Yeah. And uh, if we just mention a few, if you look at number seven and number eight, where Peter Steph is definitely by far, I think, ahead of everyone else that comes in there. But then again, you've got uh, the Dupree twins who we're part of the initial squad mm. and we got sent home and now Dan has been pulled back. And I think we will have to focus in, in also finding a replacement for Dwayne because I'm not sure how long will Dwayne go on for if he'll go to the next World Cup. I highly doubt it. Yeah, yeah. So I think the, the, perhaps the championship, he will be involved, but I think it's time to find uh, a replacement and I think Jasper Vise has definitely got the inside lane but then again there are guys that are not even in the squad like your Marcel Coutier and I quite also like uh, Elrich Lowe from the uh, from the Bulls he's also another exciting youngster and also the Sharks have got an, an, an exceptional youngster in Pepsi Mutelezi mm. who I think is definitely one for the future who's also a leader. So I'm pretty sure Rassi and, and Jacques will be looking at building the depth uh, in, in those key positions. So I, I agree with that. We, will, we can dominate for, for quite some time. Yeah, definitely. Some really good names that you mentioned there, but yeah, it's, it'll, it'll be good. And let's, let's hope that that's why we have the SN20, SN setup. Yeah. Hopefully that's why we do it and those guys carry through. But I mean, you do get a few late bloomers as well, but let's just hope our structure pays off. That's what I'm trying to say. It's anyway. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it would be great now for the coaches. And I think this is the idea that they want to yeah. win pretty much every single trophy available to them. Do you think that's possible? Is that something that they'd aim for? 
Well, this weekend is definitely very important. Mm. And I think in, in the fact that it just builds momentum going into the championship. Uh, looking at the first game, I believe that we were a bit undercooked. And I think you saw that in, yeah. uh, in how we mm. finished off the second half. And I think the, quali- the mark of a quality team is how they just get better the more they play. And there is a significant difference in how, the perfor- how we performed from the first test to the second test in terms of how our set piece functioned, uh, how we got dominance in its comes, and our defense has been a strength since uh, Jacques and Rassi took over. In the beginning, you could see the guys struggling to understand the change of the rush defense because you rush and come in. But now uh, it's working and everyone understands their role because it's a very difficult system to introduce. But once the team has settled and they understand each other and, and, and combinations are very key in that system. And if you look at the current squad, the guys are, are pretty young. They're in their 27, 28, and already they've got 50 test caps. So, mm-hmm. which is which is something which speaks volume of 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 the experience, especially, and uh, them understanding that system. But as I mentioned earlier, it is important that we don't only focus on the current crop. We have a lot of talented youngsters that are knocking on the door. If I can just mention a few, uh, you're looking at Vili uh, Leroux, and he doesn't have long to go, maybe four or five years. But then there's Farsi that's there, you know, who can comfortably take over. And I think it's more like a like for like yeah. with Vili, with the left foot, uh, the X Factor player. And you look at the way they brought on uh, Damien Velemse, which kind of like suits the role that Francois used to play. And, and I think if I can just mention the importance that a player like Velem does for the coaches in terms of selection, mm. because having that player allows you to play around with your bench, True. purely because of the number of positions that he covers. And uh, we've always known Damien is a very talented player. However, I think now he's really grown and be and more confident in his ability. And you see how he just injects energy when he comes on, yeah. and it makes a big, it makes it makes a massive difference. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I I think uh, just mentioning those uh, few names and also in the forwards, there's also a, a number of mm. youngsters. See now we've called an exciting hooker from the Bulls, Johan Krobler, who I'm a big fan of. And I think I've watched him since he, I think he, he came through the, for the Bulls. He reminds me of Scout Brits in a way. Uh, he's a, a negative uh, hooker like that who gets around the park. He's very good with his basics. Uh, also good on the ground, similar to what uh, Malcolm Marx uh, brings to the team. So I think we really are in a very healthy and good space. Definitely. No, you summed it up there beautifully, Odwa. It's, it's good. It's, it's exciting. 
I think that that's it what is. the country needs as well. Um, sport is so important, but it's great that rugby is, you know, probably our, our most successful sport in, in the country, arguably. Yeah. Um, yeah. Keeps well. I think that people need it. But one person, and maybe we could talk about one of the others, but Makazola Mapimpi, that guy. I mean, talk about a career that's just um, developed and blossomed. I mean, I remember watching him with the Southern Kings and thinking, oh, okay, here we go. Next thing is at the Sharks. Next thing is at South Africa. Brilliant. I mean, that guy must be one of the most inspiring players you've ever seen. And I'm sure there's a few other guys like Jason Colby who just get almost get goosebumps when you say, hey, when he gets the ball, here we go. Something's going to happen. I mean, well, that's yeah. what he does for me. But I'm sure there's been <laughs> players that, that you've enjoyed watching recently in the squad as well. Like that. You just, they've got energy, man. They, and like him, yeah. he's a good story. He's a good testament. And and I think there are players that are just naturally gifted and they've got this sense of understanding the game and where they need to be at, at what time and in what position. And I think Mabimbi is one of those guys. You mentioned a Cheslin Colby. Mm. Whenever they do something, it seems like they're not trying too hard. It just comes off naturally. And Mabimbi, he's, he's got one thing that any outside back needs to have that out and out pace. And yeah. he's got an eye for a, for a try line. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, from when he came through from the, for the Kings, he, he was just scoring tries, mm-hmm. unstopped. And then he got taken, went to the Cheetahs, played in the Pro 14 or Pro 12 at the time, and he was just scoring nonstop. It, it, it never stops. And now he's sitting on 16 test matches and 15 tries which is an amazing uh, return for, for, for an outside, for a winger, you know? So, and it doesn't seem like he's going to stop. Funny, you know, uh, I was chatting to my, uh, to my, to my mates about Mambimbi. And then you, you wish like Mambimbi was only 22 because yeah. it seems like he's one of the guys that you would want to be around for the next eight, nine, 10 years because it's so good and it's so important in any team. And what Rasi has done for Mambimbi's career is huge because it's what any player wants uh, when a coach backs you. Because there were a lot of question marks around his uh, aerial skills and uh, his defense, but he's just come out on the other side and he's ticking all of those boxes. We saw in the weekend him winning a ball in the air against the, against, uh, against the Lions. And he, we can't question his finishing abilities. And defensively, he's also been very strong. You know, So confidence is something that's amazing. And in that whole back line, and I think it, it makes a big difference having a guy like Luca in your arm Hmm. on your inside. Uh, Lucano is a very relaxed character and a very talented rugby player. He's got a very good rugby brain on him. He's a very good player. And I think that team is is quite high on confidence in the way that they played Hmm. uh, in the second test. But it's very important that uh, those, those, those pieces function, the set piece. And if we get on the front foot, if we get on top of the line, 
I don't think they can stay with us. Uh, if I just continue, if we look at the team that they've selected, it makes for interesting reading because it seems like they are going to go back to what worked for them when they played the provincial teams. Mm. Because if you look at the first test and the second test, they kicked quite a bit. This time around, I think they will try and hold the ball a lot more. Okay. And why I, why I say that is because kicking is not their strength. We've seen from the first game that they played against Japan and all the time they played against provincial teams, they're pretty good with keeping ball in hand. And with that, they need to they need that first rack to get them over the advantage line. And perhaps that's why they brought Bandiaki into the team. And you also look at the selection on the bench. They've got Sam Simmons, who they rate to be a, a good a loose forward who's very quick. And they've also got Finn Russell. So there's no one to come in and close out the game and control the game like a typical more northern hemisphere test match fly half mm. but it's more it's more positive attack orientated game plan but we'll just get to see it on on saturday yeah it'll be great good contest yeah that's what it's all about so it's good <laughs> you can't wait yeah <laughs> yeah yeah come I'm, I'm excited you know also i think the it, it it's it's a kind of test match we need mm. in this time. Uh, you know, we've mentioned a lot of it's been a difficult time, and when the Springboks are playing and Springboks are playing well, I think the whole country, the mood in the country, just lifts. Uh, and I think we 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 are a proud nation that loves our sport. Mm. Uh, take for example. Uh, if you look at the Olympics, the way Tatiana won mm. the gold medal and, and broke the world record, everyone just gets excited. And uh, we, we need things or sport to just make us smile, just make us forget about all the challenges that we are facing. And uh, had this weekend been a, a dead rubber, it wouldn't, there wouldn't be this excite, excitement around it, unlike now where it's more like another final. You know, we looked forward to the uh, World Cup final 2019 in November. And now here we go again in August, we're looking forward to what could be another massive, massive final. So it should be a good weekend. No, definitely. Awesome stuff. <laughs> yeah, here we go. That's all good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been great to cover Springboks and, and what's been happening there. And I'm glad they're in a good space. Um, but it um, also, I'm quite confident about our domestic rugby. And why I say this? Because I've been watching a bit of Curry Cup and I think it's been some good games. And the guys are getting stuck in. And it's always nice to see um, guys who've played for Curry Cup, gone overseas and coming back. I think it's good for, for rugby in South Africa. I mean, Johan Horsens, he, he's been making headlines now. So he's been doing very, very well. But you didn't play for the Bulls, you played for the Sharks. Um, yeah. According to your brother, because I asked him this, <laughs> he tackled harder than this should, be, this should be interesting. <laughs> he said he tackled harder than, than what you could tackle in matches. And I said to him, I don't know. Because neither of you tackled me, so I couldn't tackled tell. Tackled harder. <laughs> no. 
Ryan, I would rather not comment because I don't even think tackling hard and having a corner it doesn't it does it can't be in the same sentence because those two uh, I don't know what he was talking about. But uh, anyway, I I agree I agree with you. Uh, the Curry Cup is always a platform where uh, teams get to showcase the talent that we have on offer in South Africa. And uh, there's a lot of youngsters that get opportunities to put up their hand, and a lot of them have. And also you've got other older statesmen that come back and having had the experience of playing overseas, come back and uh, share the experience because it is important to have that balance between experience and youth. And I think the Bulls have, have really set the mark and have been the example team. The, the most important thing why I mentioned the Bulls is how they've been consistent. So with other teams, and I think that's where the challenge comes when you don't have enough experience in your in your squad. You don't put in, you can't put good performances in a row. You have one good performance, you, other, other week it's a pretty average performance. You look at the Sharks, they go down to Cheetahs and Bloomfontein and they play amazing. And then you think when they come up against Griquas, it should be just a formality. But then it doesn't work out like that. So experience does play a big part. And I think Jake knows and understands that. And he signed Monet Stain. And people were like, wow, Monet Stain, really? Are you sure? And then we saw what he's done. And then he signed Johan Hussein. And now you see what Johan Hussein is doing for the Bulls. So for me, it is very important to always try and find that balance and have players that are experienced enough to make sure that uh, when, the, when the times are tough, they can keep the team calm and obviously add a lot of value uh, to the success of the team. And I think if you look at the Bulls, they have Lionel Mapu, have uh, Hossein, and then got Harold Foster. And also they got Marcel Kutsia up in the front and Lizo Kovoka with youngsters around them. So the Bulls are in a very good space. So uh, it's uh, the Lions, for example, they don't, they don't have that experience in those key areas, which I think they've got a lot of exciting youngsters, but they don't have, they're just missing that experience in those key areas. And you would possibly think that the Lions are in a, a rebuilding phase uh, as they have lost uh, quite a lot of experience. And the talent that's there, I think, if they can hold on to it, the Lions can definitely uh, get back to the t- same team that challenged, I think, three Super Rugby finals. Uh, but it's all about just making sure you try and keep that team together. No, for sure, definitely. But then what do you feel is critical in the, in the Sharks squad, especially with the next couple of fixtures coming up? So quite a critical time now, the, the Curry Cup. What's important for the squad to, to try and get right out on a stick to the basics more? Where could they be you know, really sharp? Well, I think the biggest thing, they would have been very disappointed with the performance. Mm. But, you know, when I think to my time when I was there too, somehow that team from Kimberley used to give us a tough time. 
every single time we played cricket was it was always a game that uh, somehow things just don't work out i don't know what it is maybe it's mindset but uh, to come up against cricket and they get i think five yellow cards in one game and they still they still beat you by 10 points would have been very disappointing especially at home but i think the the biggest challenge for the sharks i don't know how you can fix that is been the set piece from the time that they've lost ox and they've lost thomas and also uh, fez bata so the challenge that they have is they don't have a strong bench like most teams do especially uh, up front okay and i think it, it was quite evident when we watched them against uh, greekwas where i think i'm not can't remember exact number but greekwas got quite a lot of penalties from scrum time yeah and they scored they scored they scored two tries from a, a rolling ball So it just shows the dominance that they had in the pack. And the Sharks are a team that has very good backs and good loose forwards. But if your tight five is not firing, those backs and those loose forwards are not useful. So uh, they've got that new coach, I think, from, uh, from Romania, if I'm not mistaken. He's just arrived, so I'm sure he'll add a lot of value yeah. in helping them sort out their scrum, because uh, that's been their Achilles heel. Yeah, I mean, I think the Bulls are aiming to, you know, like I asked the question earlier, win every single trophy. I think the Bulls are literally trying to win every single possible trophy that they can. It just seems like that's what they're going for. Because I think... And, yeah. and, and, and they can. And yeah. the biggest thing is, When you've got a squad like that, you can be able to challenge for all the trophies. Because if Marcel is injured, you don't really miss him much because you've got the experience of Nizam Ka to come in and cover that yeah, with yeah. that exciting youngsters. Because, and then you've also got Anna Bota, who's also in that squad. Uh, you look at the front row. You've got those youngsters that are there But on the bench, you've got Lizo and you've got uh, Jacques on the other tight end where they come in with that experience and, they, and the team doesn't lose much. So uh, you look at the line, the, sorry, the pools, they have the squad because that's the most important thing for you to be challenging, to challenge all these trophies. They, they won, well, rather, they, uh, they, they just lost the final in Italy. But in South Africa, I don't think that there is a team that can really compete currently with the Bulls, with what I have seen, because of the quality they have at the Bulls and the confidence that they have. And obviously, they are quite clinical in how they, they go about their business. So... It's no surprise that they are sitting pretty at the top of the log. I must say, though, I'm also liking how the Pumas are coming along. Yeah. You know, Pumas have always been there. You know, it's just a team that is always fighting above their weight. 
and you look at how they played against the Lions. I think uh, Jamie Stonehouse is is an amazing coach. He's done so much for the team. Uh, he, he try with the lit, limited resources that they have. They always put out a team that's very competitive. Every single big province knows when they're up against Pumas, they're up against a very tough, well-coached uh, team that's going to keep coming for you at, at you for 80 minutes. It doesn't matter if seem like the same like how they played against the Lions. The Lions were all over them in the first half. You know they were dominant at set piece and putting the Pumas under pressure, getting penalty after penalty, but. Pumas never give away, never go away. You know, you can have a 20 or 15 point lead. But those guys, I don't know what Jimmy says to them at halftime, but whenever they come out, I like the I like the fact that they come out with different jerseys. So for them, it's possibly just a brand new start. Let's let's go again. And, you know, uh, the one thing that is always difficult for them is that depth and that squad that I spoke about, because the, the tougher and the longer the competition goes, and they get injuries in, in key positions, then that's when they don't have the next guy that can come in and step up and still do a similar job, which I think uh, the Bulls and to some extent the Sharks have that advantage. Yeah, no, for sure. And just to chip in there, um, I saw this comment and I, I can't remember who made it, but they were saying that, you know, because the Pumas and Ricos are doing really well in Karika. And they said, like, yeah, the Pumas and Ricos should have played the, the Lions instead of all the other franchise sides. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that's perhaps, perhaps that would have been nice. You know, when they were still, instead of playing the Sharks twice, maybe they could have done an invitation team yeah. with the Lions and the Pumas combined. Because also, because also, I mean, it's really good for, for, play, for rugby players to get that opportunity. Uh, to play against the Lions, to swap jerseys. And also some of them might never play test match rugby. But now they get that opportunity to play against test match opposition. And you learn so much from that. Besides the result that all the teams got from, from playing against the Lions. But we, we, we speak about the youngsters in all these provinces. But what they would have learned from those games that they played, the, the intensity of the game, the physicality of the game, and also they would have picked up how those guys communicate and how they're always communicating amongst each other and making sure, you know, uh, the they, work rate that they have. So those are things that you can't really talk about or teach, but uh, players will see being done by uh, teams or players that they've normally watched on TV. Now they're up against them. And and they'll, they would feel the intensity. They would feel those, that physicality that perhaps they might not have felt before. So the experience that they would have taken out from those games is huge. And I think we missed the opportunity in giving those teams, like the Pumas and the Greek ones, that, that platform where they can challenge themselves against, uh, against a team like the Lions. Yeah, well... Maybe it's something to consider in, in the years to come. Although it's only 12 years, but yeah, it will, maybe they can think of something else to make it make something for them. But yeah, you make a very good point. Very, very good point. Maybe we must maybe we must send them a video to Rassi. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I reckon. <laughs> as, as we sort of draw towards in, I've got two more questions to, for you. And um, 
you're very successful rugby career. You're successful in business now. You're, you're a busy man. But what's sort of one key principle for success in life? I, I know we're talking in rugby, but you're, you're obviously a busy man. You're making business work for you. One key principle for success in, in life? Ryan, that's a very interesting question. <laughs> and, that, and, and I think, you know, I always, I always make the example of, or rather the comparison of sport and life. And I think those two go hand in hand in so many ways, you know, because I believe any, the key to, to, to success is, is uh, you gotta be, you gotta be hungry for what you want. And for you, for that hunger, you know, it gives you that drive to, to do stuff that, you know, when the going gets tough and when things seem like they're not going your way or when doors are being closed and you're just not cracking that deal or you're not getting selected, the easiest thing is to make an excuse and say, yeah, maybe because it's this or maybe because it's that. But you, when you have that hunger, no one else can can deter you from achieving what you want. I'm a big believer in that we are all destined to get what we truly want. Mm. And we our own pilots. It's up to us to, like I said, to make an excuse and take your plane a different direction, or you go through the turbulence. Because turbulence will come across in life in sport, you get turbulence when you have a, a long-term injury mm. or you lose form. But those things are not permanent. They are temporary. Same like, same like anything that might happen in the business world or in life, you know. But as long as you have that drive to achieve what you want and never give up and, ne- and not be deterred by anyone's opinion but yourself. So for me, I think that's the most important thing. Wow, that's excellent. That's brilliant. I'll remember that one. Thank you, Aldo. That's great. That's no, good. Yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, no, it's very important. Yeah, good, man. Final one, I know we touched on it earlier, but are we looking at enough uh, focus at, at junior development? And I'm saying that, are we going out there looking and seeing there's this chap who lives in a certain area, might not attend the best school, but are we looking are we looking and trying to get as much talent through the system as, as we can? Well, I think SA Rugby does have those structures where they do a lot of scouting for talented youngsters, especially in disadvantaged areas. And, and I think if you look at the stories of Makazole Mambimbi and, and Sia, for example, then it does uh, confirm that there's a lot of talent that needs to be unearthed and identified and given the opportunity. Because remember, we spoke earlier, we said, we wish we had seen or met Makazole when he was 23. You know, so I think now with those guys that are there now, uh, the, the, the focus 
is being done on identifying that uh, the talent and putting them in the right schools. And I have one concern though, in that school rugby must not lose the key focus of why we play rugby in school. Yeah. We play rugby in school to enjoy. Because I think the more we focus on, because it, it does seem to be getting too professional. Oh, yeah. Professional comes after school. Mm. At school, you, we need to let the guys and not put youngsters under immense pressure. That's why they end up going into the wrong decision and doing wrong things because of all the pressure that we as fans, we as parents, and we as uh, rugby people put on them. So that is just my one concern. And I think there has to be a lot more discussions around that in making sure that school rugby is meant to be enjoyed first and foremost, and the results come after. Uh, so for me, I do believe that in South Africa, we are blessed to have the pool of talent that keeps coming mm. out. And uh, so, but I would love to have a lot more focus around that discussion. Yeah, well, maybe it's something to discuss because, I mean, it, it is a big driving force. And I think a lot of schools use it as a marketing thing and say, look at us, look at us, spend like we've reduced, look at et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But at the end of the day, yeah. you also get some uh, players that just want to play rugby because they enjoy the game. That's it. You know, so we mustn't, like you said, we mustn't lose heart to that. That's very important. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. to keep that, it supports club rugby because yeah. the guys have to go through club rugby before they make it into the Sharks, whoever it may be. So yeah, no, you, you make a very good point, Arthur. Very, very good. Yeah. But, yeah, it is. And also, also the club system uh, you mentioned, that's mm -hmm. also a big feeder mm -hmm. to, the, to the provinces, you know. So that, it's unfortunate now that it's been on and off due to the regulation, but club rugby is very important in South Africa. And, and I think that's why South Africa has been so successful in having, in breeding a lot of players. You mentioned earlier, there are players that are late bloomers who might not get the opportunities straight after school, but at 23, a guy might come out of club rugby and get exported by a union, and then the next thing is a buck at 27. You know, so yeah. that system of club rugby is very important to make sure that we never lose that. And also, you know, it, it, it's good for the community, uh, uh, the rugby community and the community around each and every province. No, first class, first class. Makes a lot of sense, Robert. Thank you so much. Well, Pleasure, buddy. thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Some, some great words there and a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Oliver. I also enjoyed it. Thanks. And uh, looking forward to the day when you invite me to your studio. Amen. I'm telling you, we'll make it work. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> Look after yourself. Yes. Thank you. You too. Eh? Thanks for your time. Like a Cheers. Cheers. Bye.